sense of figuring out and working it out. Secondly, there are so many times in life that Satan wants us to be distracted from God. And I don't know about you, but when I was playing, I was hearing those high pitch, I'm like, no, I am not going to let this interrupt my worship of the one who's worthy of all my praise. And I heard you guys kept going with it, too. You kept singing. And I just, I want to thank you because there really is a direct correlation uh, to life. Satan wants to distract you from God, and he has no power over you if you are a child of God. None. Um, today we're going to talk about when God says no, because sometimes when we pray, God says no. It's not Satan stopping your prayers. It's God maybe just saying something different than a yes answer. So I'm going to let Josh... Hop in here really quick because I left my Bible back there and it's got my notes. So. Nice. Okay. Well, and he's supposed to cover point one. So what's that all about, huh? Well, let me let me ask you this. Um, and thank you, Kylie, for listening to God speak to your heart this morning. But what we just experienced—that's God's healing hand, right? That's not a show. If you're visiting for the first time, this is just this is the way that we are. Each and every person in here has got a hurt. you got something going on in your life, right? There's some level. It could be something devastating that's life-threatening. It could be something that's a small ailment. But God cares about each and every one of those small things through the big things for everybody in here. So thank you for listening to God speak to your heart. Thank you for those that came forward. And number one, thank you, God, for healing and moving through those prayers. Amen. Amen. Um, Eric, you got the slides, man. So we're changing it up today. What do you think of the table? Huh? This puts us on the same level, I think. Maybe. Huh? Is it similar level now? If I, like, hey. up higher? Yeah? It's all level ground at the foot of the cross, my brother. That's true. All level That's ground. That's true. There is no one higher than anyone else, and we stand before the feet of Jesus. It's him as the shepherd us is the sheep. We look differently, we act differently, but um, my prayer is that you and I learn even better as we wrap up our 40 days of prayer how to follow the shepherd. Man, he will never lead you astray. As we get into kind of the final message, man, God has, he's done so much to answer prayer. And uh, I want to start with a verse. Uh, I call it, I refer to it as God's phone number a lot of times. It's Jeremiah 33, 3. And it says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you. Uh, another translation says, show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So this morning, God promises when we call to him that he will answer us. He will. It doesn't say he might. It doesn't say if you keep asking, then maybe I'll think about it. It doesn't say, well, if you just live a little bit more holy life, then maybe I'll respond. It doesn't say until you measure up, I won't answer. He says, call to me and I will answer you. And I want to, I want to point this out and I will show you great and mighty things, things that you don't even know. The reason why that is important, because the message today is we're going to talk about um, three different whys, possibly, of when God says no. Why is that? And then what should our response be? A no answer is an answer, is it not? 
Um, we've talked before about you don't give your kids everything that they ask for, right? Because you know better than they do. Just like our Heavenly Father does. He knows better than us. And we're going to cover three of many reasons, okay? Yeah, so these are just three that... Uh, that uh, Rick outlines in the message, and uh, but there's many others out there, but we're going to kind of dig into the detail of these three and then break it down a little bit more. I um, uh, Just a word of caution here, and I think it's in your notes if you're taking notes. Use these next three things we're going to mention when God says no. Use these to comfort yourself. Do not use them when you know someone going through a very difficult or a painful time because honestly you and I don't really know the why to that. And so, so many times we as Christians, with a, a motive of wanting to help console or comfort our brother and sister in Christ, we'll just throw promises out and, hey, you know, it's okay, it's going to be fine. God causes all things to work together for good. And the best thing you and I can do is just to sit with them and just listen if they're ready to talk about it. If not, just offer to pray for them, pray that they just sense God. We don't have to give a reason to them of why God might be responding no or giving them an answer. So use these things to comfort and learn for yourself, not to use when someone else is going through a difficult time. That's another just reminder, and this is really obvious, but God just laid on my heart to share. Um, sometimes in, in marriage counseling, um, you know, we'll be sitting with a couple and that uh, one or the other is thinking about all the things that we're saying and sharing with them as to how it's going to change their partner, right? And so what they need to do and how this applies to them. Just remember that when we're in church and, and uh, God has blessed Morty and I with a word or a message to share, the Spirit's speaking to you, right? So just remember that as you begin to, to soak in today what God's laying on your heart. It's to transform who you are on the inside, not necessarily, okay, so how is this going to apply to my wife or my brother or my sister that's sitting next to me, but internalize it in, in what God is speaking to you, okay? I love the example Rick gave on Job and his friends, and obviously it's, Job's a pretty long book, but if you read through Job, we all know the trials and the, man, the heartache and the pain that Job went through, and his friends did an awesome job at first. Anyone remember what his friends did? When Job was going through this rough time, three of Job's best friends came and scriptures say, the scripture says in Job, they sat with him in silence for seven days. Wow. They did awesome until they opened their mouth. You read through the book of Job. And they start opening their mouths and telling them how Job maybe sinned and Job maybe did this and maybe God's doing this. And they just started talking and God eventually blesses Job and basically puts a curse on his friends. They did so good. They just sat with their buddy and then they started talking and they ruined everything. Well, and it's another <laughs> great reminder too is that God puts it on our heart to help other people around us that we um, shouldn't necessarily just share our opinions, Right. But what's God's word say about that circumstance or that trial that they're going through? And if you open your Bibles up to that topic or that verse and dig into it, that's where you can help them the most. Now, do we share our life experiences and the things that we've been through and tell our story, our testimony? You better believe it. But always go back to the word of God. Amen. So number one, God says no. And again, these are just three that we're giving you of many. God says no when he has a bigger 
perspective. And I want us to realize, first of all, God always has a greater or a bigger perspective than we do anyway in life in general, especially when he says no then. If you're praying for something and God, for whatever reason, is answering with a no, sometimes we just have to trust that he has a bigger perspective. The scripture said uh, in the Living Bible in in Hebrews 4.13, he knows about everyone everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. He knows right where you're at. He knows right what you're feeling. He knows what's down the road. He can see when you are blind, when you are unsure or uncertain about the future. He has a perspective that's greater than ours. He can just see farther than we can see. Uh, in Proverbs 2.8 it says, God guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Now let me ask you a question. Does God, I mean, is that tr- does God always protect us from harm or danger? He doesn't, does he? He doesn't always protect us, but he keeps us. He guards us. You remember the three men in the fiery furnace? Um, they were faithful to God, and God did not guard them or keep them or protect them from the fire, but God did protect them from being burned when they walked through the fire. So trials are going to happen. Life's going to happen. Sin's going to happen. Sickness, disease, natural disasters will happen because this world is scarred and stained with sin. But for God's chosen one, for the faithful ones, for those that are trusted in him, for those that understand he's got a bigger perspective, we don't have to be burned even though we walk through those fires. That's what it means for God to have a greater perspective. Paul was called to preach the gospel, and yet God chose to send him to prison or allow him to be sent to prison How could that be greater than Paul preaching the gospel? Because Paul started pinning down books of the New Testament like 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and Colossians and Galatians and Philippians. And you and I, 2,000 years later, are still benefiting because God had a bigger perspective and allowed Paul, instead of to preach openly, to be sent to jail, well, all he could do is write some encouraging epistles or letters to the churches that are still encouraging us today. That's number one. Number two is God says no when he has a better plan, okay? So if he's got a bigger perspective, do you think his plan is probably better than ours? Yeah, because he can see everything. Everything that's going on around in our lives and everybody else's lives. So God is, when we pray to him, God intends to answer that prayer. Where we get sidetracked is what we think or how we feel he should answer that prayer, right? Because we have just our perspective. However, God's got a bigger view. So let's go to Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It says, uh, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For my ways are higher than yours. The New Living Translation, which you don't have, I'm just going to read it. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. So think about it. He's saying here ways. So look at the word up there, ways, right? 
So inside of ways, oftentimes when we go through an issue, a problem, a trial, we have um, an option, right? Let's say there's one or two things that we can do to work through that situation. God is unlimited, right? So the ways and the resources that he has to answer our prayers, to help us through that situation, are like unlimited resources. And we've all experienced that, right? How many of you inside of your own families have experienced a miracle by God's hand? Just raise your hand. Look around. Look around. Everybody, look around, especially if you're sitting in the front. Isn't that awesome? Right? Did you know the way that God was going to answer that prayer or how God was going to move in that situation? No. Right? And most of the time, it literally blows your socks off, right? Because you're praying one direction, God shows up, and he's like, bam, here you go. What do you think of that? And you're like, well, I didn't expect that. But it's always greater than you anticipate, right? Because God is bigger. He's got a better plan, a bigger plan, and a brighter, wider perspective on life. So let me give you an example of this, and I like how Rick used this in the message. Let's say, and, and most of us in here have been in this situation one time or another, where you've been deep in debt, okay? How do we get deep in debt? We usually go out and buy things that we don't need or spend money on, on things that we don't need or we um, spend in a way that is um, not so frugal or responsible, right? So me, for instance, in college, there's these great things that came out when I was in college. They're little plastic things. You know, they go in, they're called credit cards, right? I was like, yeah, man, this is free, right? I don't have to pay this back. Well, yeah, you do. You know, like 28%, yeah. right? So you get in this, this rhythm of doing that. Well, here's the thing. So we pray a, a prayer to God that looks something like this. Father God, I, you know I've messed up. God, I, I'm in debt, and I need to win the lottery, Father. Just <laughs> If you would, just reveal that to the lottery uh, gospel uh, hierarchies out there and bless me, right? How many of you have prayed the lottery prayer? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've prayed the lottery prayer, right? And it's and, and lying is sinning, right? <laughs> Some of you have prayed the lottery prayer. I know you have. And I'll even tithe. I'll give right, right. God. If you do this, I'll do that, right? <laughs> yeah. So we have a preferred way that we would like to see that prayer answered. Well, is the easy way always the preferred way for God? No. So what happens inside of trials in our life if we get things easy? Do we learn or grow from that experience? Not usually, right? Usually we'll repeat the same problem, okay? So the first credit card I got, that was cool. Well, the second one was cool too, right? So I repeated that pattern. So what I'm saying is, is God wants to answer your prayer. He's got a bigger plan, a bigger perspective, and it's not, he's not like a slot machine, right? I mean, I'm telling you, there's all kinds of these, um, I don't even know what you call them, like gambling parlors, I don't know, they're popping up everywhere, right? And so the, he's not put the prayer in and pull the lever, and boom, here it is, here's your answer, exactly what you wanted. He's not a genie, right? It comes down to having a personal relationship with God, understanding his will for your life. That's what God wants to use, that's what God wants to reveal to you. Not that he, you're going to pray the prayer to win the lottery, or you're going to pull on a slot machine to get what you want. Okay, does that make sense? The other thing inside of this is there's many people inside the Bible who, guess what? They didn't get what they prayed for. Okay, so think about that. So how many unanswered prayers do you have out there? How many prayers have you thrown up to God that he has not answered, right? We've all, we've all got some, and I love the analogy that, that Rick gives. He's like, 
praise God for unanswered prayers. How many of you have been to a high school reunion and you're praising God for those unanswered <laughs> prayers, right? And I loved how he saved it. He gave a little analogy about himself. But my point is, is God's got a bigger plan and a bigger, wider perspective. So the other thing, and I love this little joke, and I'd heard it before, but um, I'm going to read this to you. It says, um, you'll hear people say this, you didn't get what you asked for because you didn't have enough faith. Mm. Have you heard that before? That's wrong, by the way. It is wrong. wrong. And this is Rick's response to it. He says that that's what you get when you cross a crocodile and an abilene together, and that's called a crocobaloney, right? (laughs) And so it is. So... It's not based on how much faith you have. God is just in a way that he is not, you're not ready for the prayer, the the answer prayer that he's got for you, or it's not inside of your will that he has for you. Mm -hmm. And so let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. It says, these were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what God had promised. God had planned something even better for Mm -hmm. them. The other thing inside of the message, it goes on and This was kind of a little bit of a revelation for me. Um, God has all of eternity to answer his promises that he's made to us. Okay, so Rick referenced about six to 7,000 promises in the Bible for you. Isn't that something? But he said it this way. He said, God didn't promise to answer all of those in the 80 or 90 or 100 years that we have here on this earth. He has all of eternity to provide and answer those promises to you. Does that, so for me, I was like, wow, because we just have such a small perspective, right? We just think about, well, I'm alive until I'm X years old, and so I want all of God's promises. Yeah, we want that, but God's got a different plan and a bigger perspective, and a lot of the promises that he's going to answer for us is when we're with him in heaven. That's right, amen. So that's number two. All right, number three, God says no, and he has a greater purpose. And again, I go back to Jeremiah 33.3. Remember, God answers when we call to him. So a no answer is not an unanswered prayer, right? It's an answer. It's just a no or a wait or not yet or you're not going to find out till you get to heaven. I mean, there's, there's so many options. But God, we sometimes we just have to trust that God has a better and a greater purpose. And so what God does say, though, even if I answer you and it's no, he says, I will show you great and mighty things, things that you do not know. And so if you're praying for something and God is saying no, something you can do is, okay, God, I'm going to go on with Jeremiah 33, 3 and say, um, and, and kind of put my trust in your promise that you're going to show me a better way. You're going to show me a different way. You're going to show me a great and mighty thing, something that I don't know about. Maybe God will show you his bigger perspective. He'll give you a diff- different perspective. Maybe God will show you a better plan. And thirdly, maybe God will show you a greater purpose. In Psalm 57, 2, it says this, I cry out to God most high, who fulfills his purpose for me, who fulfills his purpose for me, not my purpose for him. It's so easy to want to do a lot of big stuff for God. And, and again, our, our motive can be very pure in that. Of course, I want to accomplish great things for God. But what's more important than me accomplishing great things for God is God accomplishing his purposes in me. And that's what his promise is. He will fulfill his purpose for you. 
Um, 1 Peter 1.7 says, The purpose of these troubles is to test your faith as fires test how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold. So God's not surprised when you're going through trials. In fact, he says here, he promises here, that I actually have a purpose for you in the midst of these trials, right? It's to test your faith. It's to purify your faith more and more. We've talked about this before, whether it's a goldsmith, a, a silversmith, the way you test gold and purify it, or silver, is what? Heat it up, burn it down, melt it, and all the bad icky stuff rises to the top. It's called the dross. Then a silversmith or a goldsmith sweeps that away, and now he's left with gold that's even more pure. And that's what Peter's telling us. When you're going through this trial, it's to purify your faith. It's to increase it. It's to cause it to be um, more, uh, of more value in the sight of God. And so um, this is why James can say, when we consider our trials, let us actually be joyful about it. Let us look forward to what God is showing us, to his purposes in us. I uh, want to share uh, one more scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, these present tri trials or troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they will produce in us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to, the, uh, to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Remember, we, we live for about this long when it comes to eternity. And so many of us are just living our lives within this, thinking that's it. If we would just look forward to see, man... This temporary body of mine going through this temporary trial, the scriptures promise me aren't going to compare to the glory I have ahead if I would just learn to trust God. Let me quickly share with you three things. They're not in your notes, and they're, they're kind of a sentence, and then we're going we're gonna to move on. Um, but, but Rick mentioned these three things. I think they're really good just, just to, to remind all of us. Number one. There are some things in life that you're just not going to understand. Things are going to happen in life, and you're not going to understand them until you get home. You're just not. And we have to trust that God's got a greater purpose. Number two, some things, including some problems in your life, are never going to change. They're never going to change. If I lose a leg... It's not growing back this side of heaven. I mean, God could cause it to do that. I'm, because he's got that kind of power. But most of the time, it's, that's going to be a pain, a problem, um, a trouble that I'm always going to have. It's never going to change this side of heaven. Um, thirdly, sometimes you're going to suffer for the benefit of other people. So when you're suffering for whatever reason... Just trust God's greater purpose that it might not even be to actually increase your faith or to make it more pure. It might be to help someone else's face when they see your response to that trial. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, let's skip past Deuteronomy and Ecclesiastes. And Josh is going to lead us in. What 
our response should be when God says no. One other quick thing, just to go back, in talking about our, our fiery trials, how many of us have gone through those and come out on the other side so much stronger than mm. what we were going into that thing, right? So most of the major um, level changes in our lives or those uh, paradigms that have been broken, those goals that have been accomplished, is usually because you had to really struggle through that thing. The other thing I, I like to say a lot is that time never stops, right? Time does not stop. So right now, this morning, you may be in a struggle, okay? Just know that the clock doesn't stop. Over time, things will heal. Over time, things will pass. I know sometimes it's hard moment by moment to look ahead. But just know in a week, it'll be better. In two weeks, it'll be better. In a year, it's probably going to be a memory, right? Mm -hmm. We can be so consumed by that thing. But remember, God does not stop time. And so even as, as we're in the middle of it right now, just remember that you will make it through that, that God will provide. Okay? Yeah. All right. So what should I do when God says no? The first one is trust that God does everything out of his goodness and love. And let's take a look at Psalms 2510. It says, all the ways of the Lord are loving. All the ways of the Lord are loving. Jeremy mentioned just a minute ago that there are going to be things that we just do not understand, right? We, our minds cannot fathom what all is going on. That goes back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it's not up here, but I'm just going to read it to you. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on what? Your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Right now, in this very moment, that may be where you're at this morning. Like, you don't, you don't know. You don't understand. What you need to do is seek his will above all else, and he will direct your paths. Inside of relationships, inside of jobs, inside of finances, your children, whatever that may be. And I think I told you the story. I've shared it a number of times. But as, as I went through job issues about three or so years ago, I had a gentleman sit across from the table and repeat this verse to me like 20 times. And I'm a talker. Like, if you go to lunch to me, I'm going to talk. <laughs> right? And it's just the way I am. I just get to eat. He talks. Yeah. I like yeah. It. You'll get to enjoy your meal if you go with me to lunch. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> But this guy said this verse over and over to me in about a two-hour period. I maybe talked five or ten minutes. And it got annoying. Like, I was like, what is this guy? What is going on? And then God just smacked me upside the head, and I realized this verse was going to change my life. And it has. So no matter where you're at, hold tight to this promise. God's word is powerful like that. And we can be bold when we're sharing his word. I mean, I love it that a brother was willing to just, Josh... Trust in the Lord and just keep quoting scripture. He wasn't given his opinion and it stuck, even though through the frustration it stuck with Josh. And yeah, how many times has he shared that story or that verse? Um, I mean, it's just the word of God is that powerful. Yeah. Powerful. And, and think about this. If we don't have any problem, trust, well, some of us still do, and that's okay. Maybe you'll have an opportunity this morning, but most of us don't have a lot of problem. Trust God, you're going to. You're going to forgive me of all my sins. You've already paid for them. And you're going to give me what I don't deserve, which is heaven. If we can trust God with that, and so many of us profess that we do, but if we can trust God with that, then why can't we trust right. him when we are going through times of trial or times when God's saying no? Scripture says in Romans 1.17 that it says... Um, 
For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In other words, Christianity is not a one-time decision where you put your trust in the Lord for your sins and you're good. You're going to continue to have to live by faith. It goes on to say, for the just, those that have been justified, live by faith. So apply when you first gave your life to Jesus and you trusted him to forgive all your sin, apply that same principle of faith to your trial. Why don't we do that? I don't know, but think about it. Seriously, think, yeah. Do you trust and believe that you're going to heaven? Yep. Do you trust and believe that God can help you in that current situation you're in? Amen. 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 Isn't it simple? It is that simple, but we make it so much harder. Let's take a look at... um, Romans 8, 28, it says, In everything God works for the good of those who love him. And the NLT version says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And I just want to remind you that, and Jeremy said this, you know, we go through why do bad things happen to good people? Why do we have to go through trials? Why do we have to go through all this stuff? And it's because we live in a broken world. Mm-hmm. We live in a world of sin. And And there's things that people are going to do to us and hurt us physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. And uh, it's because we live in a broken world. But God's promises are greater than this broken world. Amen? Amen. And we will be joined with him one day. Something Rick said, it it stuck out to me as I was listening through his message. And he said it early on. We passed that point. But anyway, I think it relates. Um, We so many times hear about... um, a, a critical or a terminal illness that someone just finds out about and we like it's just like the worst of the worst to hear that but the truth is we all have a terminal illness you are gonna die and so am i because of sin our our bodies are terminal it doesn't matter how much healing power you have or gift of healing or miracles or faith to believe that God can heal every disease. You can quote the scripture that says, by his stripes we are healed. You will eventually not be healed of something because sin has entered this world and death has entered the world, but life through Christ. So we all, I I just found out, I got a terminal illness. Yeah, It's called sin. And I might last a little longer than you and I might last a little shorter than some of you, but we're all, we've all got it. And, you know, you think about that a little bit deeper, you know, even if, and it's hard, right, whenever there's a child or a baby or a young yes. person, you know, you just, like, it's hard. It's hard to have answers for those. Yes. And, but you think about it, let's say 100 years is what we live. Inside of eternity, that's such a small little period of time. And just to know that eternally in heaven will be together forever, which is infinite, goes on and on and on. So what seems like a, a tremendous amount of time here is very, very small. And just remember, God never originally intended that no. death at all. No. So I know there's temptations of why, God, why would you do this? His original intent was for no disease, no sickness, no baby to die inside or outside. The womb. I mean, nothing bad. Right. We messed it up. But again, God, because he's got a greater perspective and purpose, knew he'd be sending his son to fix all of that. To where one day it lasts forever. Amen. Okay, you ready? Number two. Number two. Uh, when in pain, pray what Jesus prayed facing the cross. 
when in pain, pray what Jesus prayed, focus, uh, focus, uh, facing the cross. And I, I love this. We know this prayer. It's found in Mark chapter 14. And, and we quote it a lot, but it's got three very practical things when we're facing a crisis or when we're facing pain that we can pray. Let me, let me read the scripture first. It says, going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground praying that if possible, he might not have to suffer what was ahead of him. None of us enjoy suffering. Um, even Jesus in his humanness kind of prayed and thought, God, if possible, just take this from me. I, I don't, my flesh doesn't want to go through this. I don't like suffering. And, and we, we can relate to that, and that's why he can relate to us. But then Jesus prayed, Abba, my Father, all things are possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. But, or yet, I want your will, not mine. So in the right way to pray in your notes, there are these three things. Jesus said it like this. Father, I know you can do anything. Father, please give me what I ask. Take the suffering from me. However, what I want most is your will. So this is what we can pray. We can affirm God's power. God, you can do anything. I know it would take nothing for you to just to reach inside and just totally annihilate that tumor within me, whatever. You could grow my arm back if I don't. God, you can do all of that because you are God Almighty. Affirm God's power. I mean, you keep talking about it more and more and you're going to start, man, God can really do this. It doesn't mean... That's his perfect will, but you just come to an understanding, I know this is something my dad can take care of, right? When we don't know what to do about something and fix stuff, we call dad. A lot of us do, right? And so, man, we got, we got a heavenly dad that we can affirm, man, he can, this is nothing for him. So affirm God's power, then ask with passion. You start affirming God's power and it's going to start welling up in you some, some faith to, be, to believe even for some great things. But then always end it with accepting God's plan. Yet God, if this, what I'm praying passionately for, isn't what you have for me, then I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that your plan is greater, is bigger, and better. When there's a no, there will always be some yes somewhere else. Call to me and I will answer you. I might say no, but then I will show you great and mighty things, things that you do not yet know. That's what we are accepting. Okay, God, I know you can do this. This is what I want. This is what I'm believing for, but not what I will. What do you want? So can you show me the better way? Can you show me a different way? Can you show me what you want to show me? And you know what? God might whisper to you, hey, Jeremy, I know right where you're at and you're suffering right now. Just know it's not for you. There's some people watching you. There's some people that don't know me that are watching you. And your response to your trial right now is going to affect their eternity. I think God could whisper that to people. And can you imagine if you're praying passionately and you hear God say no, you don't see circumstances change, but you hear God whisper that? Oh my goodness, that's, I'm going to be like, I'm going to start enjoying that suffering a little bit more if I hear his whisper. But you got to call. You got to call to God. You got to 
you got to say, show me, God. you got to believe he's going to respond. And he can. He's whispered some crazy things to me. And they've always panned out. They've always worked out. All right. Praise God. What's the last one? All right. Last one is this. When God says no, expect God to give his grace to handle his answer. Okay? So you got no, and he's going to give you grace. So what do we think about when we say the word grace? Forgiveness, mercy, right? But it means so much more than that. It means to rely on God's grace as his strength, his power. So think about it. He's going to give you his power to handle the pain inside of the situation, okay? So how do we grow? Sometimes it's through being uncomfortable. Sometimes it's related to pain. God's grace is he's saying, call upon my power, my strength. Rely on that, not your own. He will provide that to you. And so let's take a look at the Apostle Paul. Remember the Apostle Paul has a thorn in his side, right? So this thorn in his side never went away. The reason that thorn was there is so Paul continually relied on God's strength and power to get him through those situations, right? All the persecution, the time in prison, all those trials and tribulations that he went through, he relied on God's grace, which is equal to God's power and his strength. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 through 10. Three times I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away. But his answer was, my grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. So I gladly boast about my weakness so that Christ's power can flow through me. For when I'm weak, then I am strong, right? That's really quick. I just love that we have another example here that's not Jesus. Like I gave the Jesus right. example. And this is Paul. He's not fully human and fully God. He's fully human. And Paul's like, I even learned to boast in my weakness because of God's grace. That's so how many of you have a thorn, right, in your side that you've got something in your life that you've been praying for year after year after year and you just feel like God's not answering me? How many of you have those things, right? Mm -hmm. That thing is just there. What he wants us to do is rely on his power and his strength to push through that pain. That's how we grow. That's how we get out of our comfort zone. And Rick really, inside of these next two points, it was, I didn't realize this about Rick Warren, but I'm going to share his, his story. Um, he talked about the, the last 50 years, he's got an extreme brain condition. He's been to every doctor, specialist all over the world. He's been to Mayo Clinic. They even talked about naming a syndrome after him. Um, his brain runs at an extremely fast pace. Okay, so it's, his brain runs at a very high temperature. It's like having turbo on a car all the time that never shuts off, okay? He has a horrible time sleeping, right? He has a, is a very big challenge sleeping. And guess what the number one thing behind it is? Is the fear of public speaking. To be able to control what he's saying. So think about one of the most impactful pastors around the world has prayed a prayer for 50 years. God, heal me of this. And he said every single time that he prays that prayer, God tells him, he says, my grace is enough. My grace is enough. Just like the thorn in Paul's side, Rick has a brain condition, right? that he's struggling with, that he's fighting every day. But he says, my grace is enough. He goes on and explains that he prayed for his son for 27 years that God would, would heal his mental sickness. Four years ago, Rick's son took his own life. 
inside of that, he said, God told Rick, he said, my grace is enough. So we have stuff in our lives, we have circumstances, we have thorns in our side, but God calls us to rely on Him, to put our trust and our faith in Him. So this is what I want to ask you, is what do you have in your side? What thorn are you struggling with? Have you been praying for God to take that completely away from you? Are you praying for God's grace and His strength and His mercy and His power to help you through that? And I want to read this to you. Rick says, you need to remember this. When something hasn't happened yet, God has a bigger perspective. He may be protecting you from an unforeseen problem or pain. God has a better plan. And the story is not yet ended. Every one of us have a story, right? Every single one of us. You could be going through financial trouble. You could be going through health issues. You could be going through marital issues. Whatever it is, but that's a season of your life. Your story's not over, right? And guess what your story is? It's a testimony of your life and what God is doing through His grace and His mercy and His strength. So as we come to the altar today and we lay it on the line and we pray and ask God to move in our lives, what are we doing? We're saying, God, I want, I want my story to grow. I want to be able to glorify you for answering my prayers, for moving in my life. So your story's not over, is it? God's still writing your story. So as we all stand this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to come to these altars again and continue to allow God's grace and mercy to work in that situation. Don't be embarrassed by coming forward, okay? I'll tell you that right now. If you feel like, oh, Josh, I can never go forward. I can never go down and pray. Why not? Humble yourselves when we're weak who's strong. God, he wants to bless. He wants to move. And maybe for you, maybe you've been coming for two years now. And you haven't hit your knees and hit this altar and, and bawled your eyes out praying and asking God to move in your situation. We're going to give you that opportunity again this morning. Maybe you're simply in a place where you've been stagnant, where you're not growing, where you're not getting out of your comfort zone, where you're not moving and getting into a place where God wants you to be. Maybe you need to come down this morning and just say, you know what? It's time for me to step out. It's time for me to quit being safe to quit looking like I'm living the life. I want to stop talking about it and I want to be about it. Right? We'd all lots rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. Right? If Jeremy and I are up here running our gums and not living the life that we're talking about, is that good? You ought to see it inside of our walk every day. Are we going to fall down? Are we going to mess up? Yes, we will. But that's what we want to do is we want to walk the walk. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've just been pretending this thing called Christianity, and it's time for you to get a little deeper. I want you to come forward. It doesn't matter what altar you come to this morning. We're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to pray for you because God wants to move. So allow those feet to move this morning and step out. Let's praise and worship God this morning.